So when you told him about Nacho, I'm assuming you told him about Nacho, mm-hmm. what did he say? He was like, great. I've been trying to get you to step back forever because it's killing your mental health and sanity. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. We're back. Yeah. Now that everybody's New Year's resolutions have gone in the trash, let's carry on with life as normal. (laughs) There you go. Well, this is episode 137 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Yep. And yes, David, I'm aware that I said podcast. (laughs) I can't help it. It's not two words. It's just one. Well, that was my New Year's resolution to not say it that way. But as you said, they all went in the trash. <laughs> how quickly we go back to our normal stuff, no matter how bad it might be. Speaking of normal stuff, this is something good. Okay. The winner of the Linda Dunham Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship is dun, 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 Allie S. Congratulations, Allie. Congratulations, girl. We will see you in the academy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Just check your email. That's right. All right, David. Any exciting news that we have going on? Hmm. Well, you and I have talked about completing our book this year. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what that's like. Um, I don't know of anything like coming up soon, but. You know, I would like to have a Nacho Kids retreat this year. Yes, we've talked about that. Well, it kind of all went in a can a couple of years ago for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Considering this is mid-January when this comes out, I'm thinking that we probably need to hit September-ish, October. Yeah. Yep. And this is going to be a small retreat. It's not going to be a conference. Nope. And once we figure all that out, we'll let y'all know. <laughs> we sure will. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think that'll be, that'll be fun and it'll be educational, helpful, all those, all those things. So now we not only have to write a book this year, we have to plan a retreat. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. Trying to kill me. No pressure. Going to make me grab my chest and say, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming. I'm coming, Elizabeth. (laughs) And for those that do not know what that is, it's off Sanford and Son. It's a TV (laughs) show back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've always got things planned and things going on. I'm sure we'll be sprucing up the Academy some more and, you know, we're always tinkering with, with those things and adding more stuff and content and all that. So, yeah, we haven't talked about the stepmom view in a while. That's true. So go check out the stepmom view, www.stepmomview.com. It is where myself and some other step family coaches answer the most desired and frequently asked Blended family questions. Yeah. It's like having several different perspectives from just several different uh, coaches all looking at the same problem and giving you their answers, perspective, and wisdom. Yeah. From all different types of blends. Mm-hmm. So check that out, people. Sure enough. I will. Yeah. Check it out, <laughs> David. Check it out. All right. Our guest today is Control Freak. <laughs> <laughs> You got all of them on one podcast? (laughs) This one, her name is Control Freak. Is this the one in the Academy, Control Freak? It is. Oh, I know her. (laughs) And next week, we have her husband. 
Oh my goodness. I'm loving this. I'm loving this setup of the man and the woman or the woman and the man or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get the couple's perspective. Right. Separately. So if she's the control freak, is what's his name? Is it victim of the control freak? <laughs> Austin Powers. <laughs> is, <laughs> oh boy. Yep. Control freak has been blending for two years. Mm-hmm has two stepdaughters, and deals with a very, 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 very high-conflict bio-mom. Mm, that's a lot of varies. So it's safe to say the hardest part of her blend is dealing with a high-conflict bio-mom. Mm. I have to say that we have watched Control Freak grow <laughs> yeah. tremendously mm-hmm. through the Nacho Kids Academy. She's come a long way, baby. Yeah, well, I'd rather her be a Control Freak than a... Lack of control freak? An out of control freak? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yep. Well, you know, you never really think about these things, I don't suppose, I know I didn't, that when you're marrying somebody else, that the ex-high conflict person is also part of the package deal in some form or fashion. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine going out with me and then go, me saying, um, let me introduce you to my high conflict ex-wife, <laughs> just so you know that you'll be either dealing with her directly or indirectly in some way. Even if you're never talking to her, her effects will permeate through our relationship at times. <laughs> it can, but I nacho, <laughs> I nachoed her. You, yeah, you did. <laughs> yep. Uh, but there's just one time. <laughs> I think we talked about that recently on a podcast. There's no need to bring that up every time. There was this one time, there was this one man. Anyway, I do want Wear, to... Wearing this one shoe on his one foot. <laughs> Lord, you're going to get me thinking about my peg leg story with me and Bridget and how we're going to come up with a comic and that's going to be our retirement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. No, quit your day job. I talked to Bridget the other day about that, actually. I'm sure. Yep. It's still hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> Control Freak has come so far that she and her husband are going to work at their church doing a divorce and blended family ministry. No way. Yes way. That's fantastic. It is. You know, she's not the only one in the academy that has taken what they've learned and their story and what they've been through, their testimony, and shared it with others to help them. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I've said this before, I know, a bunch of times, but the fact that we have a purpose that come out of our problems makes it worthwhile. My pain is your gain. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, my pain was probably more than your gain. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> uh, but we made it. Yes, we did. Well, so I should far. say it this way. <laughs> we made it. We're still making it. Look, every day's not roses and sunshine. I mean, look who I'm married to. But well, uh, 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 what I said, every day is not roses and sh- sunshine, uh, depending on who you're married to. That but, is not what you said, and I got <laughs> it on recording. <laughs> but it's not that your problems go away when you learn nacho and or anything else for that matter. It's that you learn how to handle them differently. And you realize a lot of the problems are problems you created. Mm-hmm. So some and of them do go away. So I'll have to argue with you on that, David. 
Well, I'm just saying in general, problems don't go away. You're always going to have issues. I mean, you're dealing with people, relationships. There's always issues and arguments and disagreements. And I don't like you today because whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it's like I said, I've re-engaged a lot with your kids. Mm-hmm. But there are still certain things with them that I not show. Yep. There's certain things with them I not show. <laughs> I've noticed that lately. <laughs> And people will say, you can't not show your own kids. So, David, explain that to our listeners, how you're not showing your own kids. As a wise man once said, you're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. Ah, you stole (laughs) my phrase. (laughs) That I stole from somewhere else. (laughs) So, I decided that I would not want W-O-N-T. I would rather want W-A-N-T. (laughs) <laughs> so I want to nacho. Okay. So basically, let me break this down for our listeners because you're not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> there are certain things that as the parent of an adult child, you realize that they need to make their own decisions and deal with their own consequences. Tis true. And I can't care more <laughs> than they do. <laughs> than they do about their situations. <laughs> yep. So it just shifted. You can't, instead of you can't care more than the bio parent, it's you can't care more than the kid. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, if the, the principles we teach in the academy carry through more facets of life than just step families. Mm-hmm. You're going to see me wearing like this orange Buddhist outfit, sitting on high on a mountaintop one day, going, Nacho. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you were going to hold a sign that said Nacho Life. <laughs> No, I'm going to sound like one of those, what's the things in Australia that make the, the weird noise? Ditchery do? Okay, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah, so that's what I'll sound like. i sound like a ditchery do. <laughs> Not your... <laughs> well, I mean, really, and we've talked about this before, and I don't want to get into a long discussion about this, but nachoing truly is a way of life in other areas besides your blend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you want to know more about that, then you can join the Nacho Kids Academy and find out for yourself. You can go with us on the journey to the mountaintop of peace, happiness. All right. I'm Nacho and David. (laughs) Stay tuned. Whatever David normally says. Oh, but first, a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom control freak. Hey, control freak, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Lori. How are you? Good. Well, I have to ask, what made you realize you were a control freak? Did you know this your whole life, or did the blend just help you realize that? You know, I think it's kind of been a long time coming for me, and I'm sorry I'm going to go dark immediately, but I'll speak later in the podcast if it comes up about my husband being in an abusive marriage with bio mom, my, I had a previous marriage also, and that was also abusive. Luckily there were no kids that come out of that. And I think 
the controlling tendencies were very much there before the abusive marriage, but that really brought it out. And then I'm in a field where it kind of rewards control freaks and type A personalities. So it's just like a a slide downhill into the control freakdom. And it's something I'm working on actively. And nachoing has really kind of forced me to confront these tendencies in a lot of really uncomfortable, but amazingly growth producing ways, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And I've known I was a control freak probably since the age that I knew what control freak was. So when it came to me nachoing, I was like, I don't know if I can do this because I was such a control freak. But when that realization of I'm trying to control things I don't have control over in the first place hits you, it's like, oh, yeah. And it's one of those things that like I had already been working you know, with a therapist, because it's, it's been very, very helpful for me, but I'd already been working with the therapist on other issues. And then when it came to the blend, I like tended to not listen to what the therapist was saying, but then I kept hearing things in the podcasts and everything. And then eventually joining the Academy that was like, what is your part in this? What are you contributing to this? And of course I'm like, Oh, how dare you? <laughs> but yeah, no. It's really like, especially doing the challenges the Nacho Kids Bootcamp Challenge, which you suggested that I do with High Conflict Bio Mom, I totally just wanted to blame everything on the Bio Mom and the kids and, and my husband. But it's really like, I have a choice in how I re- respond to these things. And I was absolutely making my life much more difficult. And it's it's funny you say that because I remember when I realized I was part of the problem, I'm like, no, I'm not part of the problem. And then I realized, ah, you know, maybe I am. And it's not something that's a negative. It's just a realization. Yep, exactly. And it's it's the first step in seeing what needs to be done. Because one of the things that I've come to realize is there is a very small amount of things that I can control in life as much as I hate it. <laughs> I know. But one of them is my reaction to things. And yes. if I can do that in a more positive way, in a way that's going to be beneficial for my mental health, then it's going to benefit the whole blend situation. Right. So how many stepkids do you have? So we have two, well, I have two stepkids um, and no kids from a previous marriage, just cats. (laughs) And both of yours are stepdaughters, right? Yes. And how old are they? Uh, 10 and seven. Pretty close in age. Yes. Yes, exactly. And they're young enough that I feel like they're, they still have a lot of forming and growing to do, which is really fun to see. Yes. So how often do y'all have them? So our schedule kind of flips with the school year. Um, We live about an hour and 15 minutes from Biomom. And so we have them during the school year, every other weekend. And then during the summer, she has every other weekend minus two weeks of the summer break. And we also have an alternating split of holiday breaks. So we get half of winter break, half of spring break, and then they alternate between having a full week at Thanksgiving. Okay. That alternating stuff's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to, especially like trying to keep track and making sure we keep on schedule. And because we have a high conflict bio mom, she's already trying to be like, well, I know it says this, but can we do that? And trying to like kind of weasel her way around around that. But as anybody who deals with that type of situation knows, it's best to completely stick to the letter of the court agreement. Yes. I know with us, 
I have to look back sometimes and say, wait a minute, what year is this? When do I get Jackson? But he's at that age, too, where I know last year he wanted to switch the weeks that he went to his dad's because they go to see his relatives in the mountains. And I was fine with that. But it still sucks because it's hard to form any type of tradition. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we didn't care what day it fell on. We still had our traditions. So if we got Jackson back Christmas Day when he was little, that would be our Christmas Eve. And we just switched it around because it really bothered me that we couldn't do those traditions, but because of the days. Yeah. You have to do it in a way that works for you. And that is one of the things, and and I really appreciate in the podcast, how you talk a lot about in the blend, how you have to kind of let go of your nuclear family expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things where you you have to say, all right, just from the get-go, it's not going to look the same. It's never going to look the same. I love the movie Mean Girls, where they say, stop trying to make fetch happen. (laughs) Like that little stupid phrase. And it's literally like, stop trying to make the nuclear family happen. And you're going to be much happier as a result. Yes. Well, how long have you been blending? So I've been with my husband for two and a half years now. And I met the kids almost two years ago. So I, I would say we would, we had started blending then because there was a lot of crazy circumstances and we ended up having to move in relatively quickly. So about two years with fully blending with the kids. Okay. So you've been blending about two years. When you Mm -hmm. came in, did you want to be mom to them? You know, it's funny because I've just had a lot of really great conversations with my husband and my therapist lately about kind of why I did. I'm going to add to a lot of the guests that I've heard on the podcast and people in the Academy saying that like, I never wanted to date a man with kids. I never really thought about having kids myself. Like, But, you know, when you meet that person and you literally just know, and I was like, okay, well, here it is. I kind of stepped up and this is why I almost wanted to come on the podcast because my situation is unique. You have a lot of guests who come on that their husband expects them to step up into that parent role. My husband never did, not once from the beginning. It was totally something that I did out of guilt. And so a lot of the things that I learned about my husband's previous relationship were really, really shocking to me. Um, It was completely abusive, mentally, physically, emotionally. And even though he was the one earning the primary income and literally working like 60 to 70 hours a week, he was also the primary parent. Like BM would literally like lay around doing nothing. He would have to do everything by himself in addition to working. And I stepped up a lot out of guilt and saying, oh my gosh, I don't want him to have to experience that again. Like I'm not going to be that kind of parent. So I jumped in as super stepmom, mm-hmm. and it took me a really long time to realize that, wait a second, I didn't choose to have kids with a person like this, who was a lazy sack of potatoes, even before they had kids. That's not my choice. It's not my responsibility to make up for that. If and when we do have our own kids, then it's my responsibility to be an equal parent in the relationship to those kids. But it's not my responsibility to be an equal parent to the stepkids. Right. But you did it because you didn't want, you wanted your husband to feel like he had a wife that was part of a team, which he didn't have before. Yes, exactly. And I was so guilty about the things that he didn't have. And that has really crept into a lot of different areas of the relationship where I kind of knock myself out or put my needs aside out of guilt of stuff that he didn't have. He Mm -hmm. literally never has asked me for anything 
Hey, I want you to do this for the kids, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's always like, whatever you do is great. I, I even wrote about this in one of my Academy posts. I'm using the term bonus mom now to describe, Hey, I'm a bonus mom. So that means anything that I do for the kids is a bonus. <laughs> I know. And you know, I was shocked when I saw that. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Cause most people that Nacho do not consider themselves a bonus mom, but you have came so far that you can see it as being a bonus mom now and yep. still Nacho. Yeah. Oh yeah. And with nachoing, it's great because I truly nacho the things that I, that I don't enjoy. I don't fully nacho everything because there are things that I really like to do. Like I like books and stories, so I'll read stories to the kids. I really enjoy going to the beach and the zoo and a lot of outdoor activities, but stuff, for example, like meals, they're extremely picky. All that they eat over at my mom's house is like fast food and McDonald's and like just crap that Mm -hmm. they literally don't even barely eat vegetables or anything like that. So I took it upon myself and started knocking myself out to try to do these like elaborate things to get them to eat healthy. And I'll, (laughs) this was kind of the turning point for me with the meals. We were doing this fun thing where like we were cooking along with Disney movies. Like there's a lot of really great recipes, like the movie Emperor's New Groove. We're like, okay, we're going to make Kronk spinach pops. And it was so much fun. I was like, wow, I got them to eat spinach. And we started like every time they were here doing like another movie and a meal. But I remember with Beauty and the Beast, we made the lyrics of Be Our Guest say beef ragu cheese souffle. So we did a beef ragu and I substituted a baked brie for a cheese souffle. And all they did was complain and they hated it. And I had spent like three hours on it and I was so mad about it. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Nobody asked you to do this. It's not your responsibility to get them to eat healthy. If my husband wants to knock himself out of the park, then he can do it. And it's great. So I totally nacho meals. And now he's actually been teaching them how to cook. And so uh, because I stepped back, I allowed the room for a new great tradition of cooking with dad. Yes. Yes. And that is so good. It's good for you and your sanity. It's yep. good for the kids and it's good for dad. Yep. Yep. So, and I, I still support him in a lot of ways, you know, all of the grocery shopping, I tell him, okay, I'm doing the grocery shopping every Thursday. So it's a routine, anything that's on the list that you want to be bought before the kids come over, it's got to make it on the list by Thursday. Otherwise it's not bought. So I'm no longer running around to accommodate him at the last minute, reminding him, okay, remember you've got to plan your meals and your groceries for the kids. And if he doesn't have something planned, that's on him to run out to the store at the last minute. It is not on me because I gave him the opportunity. Yes. And I do love, even though it didn't work out, the Disney movies and the food thing. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There were some really successful times, and I think we might kind of revisit that a little bit in the future, but I'm not going to be the primary one doing it because like one night we did it with friends, but at that point, things were just really stressful all around with the blend. There was a lot of stuff going on with the ex and like the court case ongoing and like me just really knocking myself out and I needed to remove myself from that loop. Yes. And it's not easy, is it? No, especially wanting to control everything. And, you know, you've talked about this too on the podcast being like, oh my gosh, if they don't brush their teeth, you know, it's good, like blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wait a second, not my responsibility. If Mm -hmm. their teeth fall out of their head, it's their parents' responsibility. And I just had to keep telling myself over and over again, it's not my responsibility to make sure that these things happen. If I can be a positive influence in any way, 
then that's great. But again, that's a bonus. <laughs> that's not like something that I ha- should feel like I have to do. Right. Right. And society pressures us to do that stuff though. Yeah. Oh, big time. And I really think it, it has to do with such like rigid gender roles. Like, oh, the mother is the quote unquote natural parent and the mother figure in the home has to do all these things. But again, blended families need their own set of rules and expectations because the regular rules just really can't apply. It's like a square peg in a round hole. Yes. And like David said, you can get the square peg to fit the round hole, but it creates a lot of damage. Yep. Exactly. Irreversible damage at that. Yep. Big time. So you have a high conflict by a mom. Oh, do we? (laughs) Yes, we do. Of course, our listeners don't know your story like I do. She is extremely high conflict. Yes. From the start. Okay. Do you remember the first instance that you realized she was high conflict or can you share instances where she was high conflict? Yeah. Yeah. And I won't give too much information because, you know, as everybody knows, high conflict bio moms have their spies around, but basically I didn't realize just how abused and mentally manipulated my husband still was because I asked him right off the bat, like, how are things with you and your ex? Like are things, he's like, oh, everything's great. Like we get along great. We've already got everything figured out and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. But only come to realize that that was the case because he was still doing everything that she wanted. Oh, snap, snap my fingers. Come fix my car. You've only had three hours of sleep after working night shift. I need help with these kids. You better wake your butt up and get over. And so I started seeing these patterns and like started seeing like she was just calling him all the time. And then I was really proud of myself, actually, in this moment. I already just really falling for my husband early on. It was like maybe it was probably less than a month in. And I was like, well, I guess this is what we're doing. And he came to me and he was like, oh, well, you know, I actually might be moving. And I was like, okay, so are you getting a bigger place for you and the kids and blah, blah. blah. And he's like, well, you know, my ex moved out of the home that we shared and I'm still there. And she moved in with her parents, but you know, she really doesn't get along with her parents very well. So she needs me to move in with her parents and she's going to move into this house so that, you know, she can just have a better environment for the kids. And I, (laughs) I'm so glad people can't see my face right now because I have that. What? Yeah. I want to say all the swear words, but I will not. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I, I took a deep breath and I just asked him a few questions and I said, okay, well, are you going to be paying for the bills on the house in addition to child support? He's like, yeah, but I'm already doing that. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And I just sucked it up. I was like, all right, put on your big girl panties. And I said, listen, I really like you. I really think we have something great right now, but I can't be in a relationship with you. If that is the level of involvement that you still have with this person, it's clear that you have a lot of things to work out. And I'm like, I how are we going to have a relationship together? Me, come, what, what am I going to do? Come over to your ex-in-law's house to see you? And I said, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't have any right to tell you what to do in your life. So if this is what you feel you need to do right now, that's great, but I can't be a part of it. And so he said that that was the first moment where he really started to like realize and see, oh, wait a second. Like this just isn't normal because he had been so cut off. She cut completely cut him off, wouldn't allow him to have friends wouldn't allow him to speak to family unless she was sitting there on speakerphone. Like, so she, he had no sense of kind of like a feedback from, from the outside world, so to speak. Yeah. So I was proud of myself. 
and that that was kind of like a jumping off point. And of course, when he told her, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work out. It it started with the screaming at him and, oh, well, then you're never going to see your kids again and the guilting. Oh, but this is for the kids and blah, blah, blah. So it really, it, it, it has caused conflict between him and me in the sense that I'm like, hey, you told me at the beginning that everything was fine between you two. But I honestly think he was so brainwashed that he just didn't understand how dysfunctional it was. And that's sad mm-hmm. because that's what he was used to. How long were they married? They were together for over 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And they got married really young. So you were definitely like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And his whole family has literally said that to me. They're, they have basically like cried to me and thanked me for bringing their their brother back, bringing their son back. Like, oh my gosh, I was so afraid for him. I was worried that he would never have a relationship with us ever again. Like there was like, he missed maybe like five or six funerals of really important people who died that she basically wouldn't allow him to go to. So he was completely cut off from everybody. And I mean, that, that has weighed on me a lot because I came in and blew the roof off, but it has definitely taken a toll on me in terms of dealing with her and the stress that that has brought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point that you said that to him, you were willing to give up your relationship if he didn't make some changes with his yep. relationship with her, because it sounded like he was kind of still in a relationship with her. It really was like, even though she had literally found a new person, like a week after she moved out of their house and she was with this new person, they, you know, were still very much codependent and really with her just calling the shots, but it was all about control and with the kids. And he would tell me like, well, she would threaten me that if I didn't do this, then you know, she would like withhold the kids and not allow me to see them. So it was just this constant fear of the kids being held over him. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a real nightmare. So a lot of the first part of our relationship was just getting him to put up boundaries. And of course that made her hate me because, you know, I cut off her supply. Mm-hmm. I cut off her, her help. Yeah. And it's not like your husband's a wimp. So I don't want people to think, oh my gosh, he could have just stood up to her Y'all, this is mental abuse. Yep. And I get really infuriated when people talk about, oh, why couldn't they just leave? Because being an abuse survivor myself, that's what you learn. That's what you think is normal. And your world is totally warped and it's a different way of thinking. And it's especially taboo when the victim is male. Yes. Because we do have those societal standards. Oh, the man should stand up and whatever. But like, it was really, really horrible. And she, like, even when you know, they, they had the kids together and things were really bad. She would use the fact that, oh, well, you're just like your own father. And his father basically was absent when he was growing up in and out of jail on drugs and everything like, oh, you're a piece of crap, like your father. So the mental manipulation is so real. And, you know, that's another reason why I wanted to come onto this podcast, because there's such a level of stigma around abuse victims. Mm -hmm. And it's even more so when the abuse victims are male. Yes. And it's harder for them to find help or admit that they're being abused because they too have felt that stigma or been told men are tough their whole life. Yep. Yep. And even now I have to tell him sometimes, and you know, it's really tough to balance with stepping back, but even now I'll have to tell him, yeah, like this thing that she did was really not normal. You're just so used to being controlled all the time. Like the kids are in a sport right now and A perfect example is every time that he has tried to go up to talk to the coach just to have the conversation, she has to butt right in and dominate the conversation. She can't even let him have like a moment like that. 
Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of telling me about it, laughing about it. And I was like, wait a second. No, that's not normal. And that's not okay. And here's the section of the parenting plan that says that you have the right to independently confer with coaches and whatnot. And so he was like, oh, okay. Cause he was so used to being controlled for that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're trying to help him break that mentality that he's so used to. Yep. It was really, really hard. And that also, you know, had a lot of guilty actions by me in the beginning when I became way too involved, you know, with bio mom stuff out of guilt. Like I said to him, you know, you're so abused by her. You're so traumatized. I'll communicate with her to coordinate the schedule. I'll go pick up the kids and drop them off. And I I can deal with her, not you. And now I like want to slap myself for dealing with that. I'm like, cause that was after she had already made numerous threats against me and like just been horrible. And here I am being like, oh, I'm going to jump into the cage with the roaring tiger right? out of guilt because I didn't want to see him go through that. But hindsight is 2020. What I should have been doing was supporting him and getting the help. And, and he's, he's had help since then. He's been seeing an amazing therapist, but like he needs to figure that out for himself because it just, it cannot be my burden. Right. Right. And that's so hard to do because we love these people and we want to help them and not see them struggle. Mm -hmm. But then we realize, look, I'm going to go back crap crazy if I have to do this and she's your luggage. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to the point now where, you know, working with him and his therapist and my therapist, we're in a pretty good equilibrium now where like, and even preparing for the court case, like I did, I'm I'm a researcher, I'm a professional researcher. I, and I do all of the like document, I did all of the documentation for the court case, but now we've basically gotten into a happy medium where I don't ask him what she says. I don't read messages. I don't do anything. I'll just give him little reminders from time to time and be like, Hey, so tonight was a drop-off. I know that sometimes she pulls crap at drop-off. Make sure that you document if anything happened. Boom. And that's all I'll say. And that is so good because you're still helping him Yep. and reminding him to document stuff, but you're also not the one doing it. Yep. Because that was another thing. Like, and we even had this conversation up until very recently. I got mad that he wasn't documenting because our court case, or I see even the bad patterns, our court case uh-huh. is not ours. His court case just ended earlier in the year. And it was almost like, and I don't blame him for this, but it's almost like he felt so relieved that he was like, oh, great. It's like over. And he kind of like stopped being on top of it and documenting. And just recently I was like, hey, why aren't you documenting? Why aren't you doing this? And he's like, how was I supposed to learn how to document if you're the one who did all the documenting the whole first time around? I was like, yeah, good point. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. And plus, like you said, once the court case at that time is over, we kind of get slack and lax and think, okay, oh, that's over. But yep. in my case, my son's 16. I've been in court pretty much all of those years, except for maybe three. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yep. We, we I, I won't describe it now, but we have a pending action. He has a pending action. Look at this. I know. Dad, we, it is not we. He has a pending action in court right now. And I'm kind of anticipating the same. And it's it's just the case with high conflict bio parents. And I get so annoyed when people are like, oh, well, it'll eventually die down. Time will heal all wounds and people will get along eventually. Like not with these types, like these super crazy abusive types, like they just, they cannot do it. And that's part of the problem with the family court system is Mm -hmm. they don't realize 
the people we deal with. And when I say that, I mean, your high conflict bio mom and my ex. Yep. They have what the lawyers present and the lawyers can't say stuff like, well, this dude's a piece of crap and he's been doing this for so long. And I mean, there's only so much they can say. So the judges don't even get a glimpse of who this person really is. Yep. And they automatically come in with a, well, it takes two to tango approach. Right. Yeah. And it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. The best thing that I learned to do was to not respond. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was another thing. I used to want to read all the messages and send detailed responses to each point with documentation. But these people, it doesn't matter. Right. You could show them the best you know, response ever. And then they would bring up something else. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. I I rely on my faith a lot. And I have to just always say, I have to put this in God's hands. I have to just trust and surrender to God because otherwise I'm just going to activate those control freak tendencies and just 24 seven. It really was like that for a while where I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't think about anything else when we were in kind of the midst of all the court stuff. And it's, it's really, really draining mentally. It is. It's emotionally damaging. Yep. Big time. Yeah. I mean, I remember this last time we were in court and you go to mediation and you're like, okay, just whatever. I'll agree. Just let's be done. Yep. But then you find out, oh no, there's a loophole. Yep. There was one word in the document that did not end things, shall we say, to where they could drag on further. Yep. And then the most frustrating thing for me is like these people seem to live in like an alternate reality, their conception of ideas and events. I'm like, seriously, how could you even think that this is how this happened? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And you definitely have to document stuff. Mm -hmm. And I definitely recommend the, what is it? Our family wizard or my family Mm -hmm. wizard, things like that. Yeah. For those documentation purposes, because they can't be manipulated like emails can. Yep. And it also, you have the ability to print those and the judge to see both sides. Yep, exactly. He uses one of those conversation apps and it's really helped because even recently, Biomom has been trying to say stuff to him and then like, he'll have a different version of what she said and then she goes off the deep end and accuses him of lying. So a boundary that he established very recently is if in person, she even opens her mouth to him. He says, put it in the app and he walks away. Mm-hmm. Look at him. I'm proud of him. <laughs> He's come a long way and it's a lot having to do with Nacho and just the growth that's happened because of that. Mm-hmm. So when you told him about Nacho, I'm assuming you told him about Nacho. Mm-hmm. What did he say? He was like, great. I've been trying to get you to step back forever because it's killing your mental health and sanity. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so good that he didn't get defensive about it. And he didn't say, oh, that means you don't love my kids. Yep. I have joked with him often about how lucky I was that his former spouse was a deadbeat and did absolutely nothing (laughs) because he already had it in his head. I have to do everything myself. Yes. So Mm -hmm. he never learned to rely on another parent. So a lot of me kind of stepping up and doing everything, he just kind of let me, but then I would turn around and get mad at him for not doing X, Y, Z, but it's like, but you already did it. So it just, he saw it as a, as a breath of fresh air and a way to really improve the dynamic between us and the stepkids. And it's really worked out beautifully. I'm so glad. 
Now, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I'd like to if you can. I know you've had issues with your husband getting information from the school. Yep. Because bio mom has her hands in everything. Yep. And we talked about this on a recent podcast of what can the school do? Is it realistic to say the school sends copies of all their work home every week, every other week? Because they don't know what the schedule is with these kids. I think the the best thing that the school system can really do just for general accessibility, not just for blended families, but all families is to just have everything as much as possible be electronic. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, like grades are electronic, like announcements. There's a lot of the information that he hasn't been getting is stuff that's like sent home by like paper copy or hard copy. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know about an electronic copy. So I think it's just a general access thing. And so you have more and more of these blended families. You might have other non-traditional families, like a grandparent taking care of the kids. And I think just having one kind of portal where everything is posted is just going to help not just blended families, but everybody. Right. I completely agree. And I don't know about your school, but I know the school my son used to go to, they were horrible about updating the calendar. Yeah. The calendar updating, it's weird because the information is in like three different places. So there's like the school website and then there's this one app and then there's a Facebook page and then things will be like updated in one, but not the other. And that's why I'm like, all right, you need to knock off all of these different things and be like, this is where the information is going to be. This one portal, everybody can have access to it. You can either access it on the desktop or you can access on an app. Everybody can sign in. Boom. Done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the lady that I talked to about this, she's actually in Australia and we were talking about, well, even transition periods. Little Susie's with one parent one week and the other parent the next week. And, you know, one parent's stricter with homework, the other's not. So how do you get the teachers to give them that grace, we'll say, without it becoming a crutch? Yeah, it's hard. You know, without revealing too much about me personally, I just know for a fact that the public school system right now is so overwhelmed with the workload on teachers and Teachers are fleeing the profession in droves for a variety of reasons. And so I totally get any teacher who'd be like, oh, it's just one more thing that I have to do. And, you know, like it's an extra workload. And so I, I really don't know what the best answer is because you really have to balance, you know, teacher time and, and mental capacity because really it's not their problem that parents don't get along. Right. Like it, it's the job of the parents to communicate. And that's the message that he keeps like running into where the teachers and the principal and everybody else, well, you have to communicate with the other parent, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, but sometimes that doesn't happen and it's not my fault. And I ask, and then she tells me, I don't have to tell you anything, go to the school. So what am I supposed to do? Right. It's kind of like, again, the judges thinking, oh, well, y'all can just get along and co-parent. Yep. Or even attorneys. I had an attorney one time that told me, you should always let his dad pick him up from daycare if he wants to. I said, okay, with how much notice? He said, none. What in the world? That's just ridiculous. I said, okay, so I go to pick up Jackson from daycare. He's not there because his dad didn't tell me that he was picking him up. And he said, oh, no, he'll tell you. No, he won't. Do you know this person? (laughs) And then it's, okay, what if I have a hair appointment for Jackson that day or some kind of appointment? Oh, well, just let his dad know. He'll be fine with it. No. Yeah, no clue whatsoever. 
No, you would you would think people can be reasonable and get along and all of that stuff, but it's just it's a fairy tale for these really difficult personality types. Mm-hmm. And you know, I admit, part of me was a high conflict by a mom, but you have to remember too, and I'm not making excuses; it's reality that my son was a baby, and his dad and I worked together. We split up while I was pregnant, and when he would go to his dad's, I would send the medicine with take at two o'clock, such and such dosage, take at six o'clock, whatever, instead of just giving him the bottle that said every four hours, because I wanted to make sure he did it, quote, quote, right. Yep. Or sending a jacket with him. Make sure he wears his jacket. Make sure that if he goes swimming, that you put those drops in his ears, because I was the one that had to deal with the sickness or the ear infections, but I could have easily been seen as a high conflict biomom. Yep. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's like, really, there's a fine line there because we've had issues in the past with our bio mom sending us sending stuff here and it becomes a huge issue, Mm -hmm. but it's just one of those things where every situation is different and it, it all comes down to the best interest of the kids. Well, and two, if your child comes back and says, my dad doesn't have anything to eat at his house that I can cook easily. You send grits, you send oatmeal, and then you get the email, why are you sending crap to my house? I don't need your help. Well, my kid told me you did, but you can't say that. Yep. Because you don't want to put the kid in the middle. So hard. And it's not like, you know, the kids wanting donuts for breakfast. It's, (laughs) you know, I'd like to have something besides fried whatever. Mac and cheese or chicken fingers he would have been fine with mac and cheese or chicken fingers but his dad didn't have stuff like that he had more like roasts that you had to cook and just not easily made meals you had mentioned that you did not want kids until you married your husband yeah i really didn't i have always been an extremely career-driven person and career was the most important thing to me and advancing that way and it's funny because I didn't even want stepkids. I I never really cared about anything with kids. And then I met him and then he was like, well, I don't really want to have any more kids. And I was like, that's perfect. Cause I don't want to have any of mine on my own. And then a few months into it, I was like, so I've kind of been thinking that I want my own kids. He's like, oh my God, me too. So it's like, we were the one person to kind of like change each other's mind, which is really kind of sweet. Well, what do you think changed your mind? Was it seeing him be a good dad? Was it being around the kids and craving that nuclear family? What do you think it was that changed? I think it was seeing him around the kids and being a really good dad. And also just him and I being a really great team together, like the way that we communicate and support each other and work together. Because like, I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to have kids with somebody, it's going to be somebody like this, where the communication is great, where we're on the same page, where we really work well together. Because again, being a control freak, I've always been the person to be like, well, I'm just going to have to do everything myself because nobody else does anything right. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And he really showed me what a partnership is. Yeah, that makes sense because you feel safe with him. Yep. But your previous marriage, you didn't feel that way. No, no. That marriage, it it is actually, sadly enough, like one of the things that we bonded over was like telling horror stories of what, what had happened to us. And both of our situations were physically, emotionally, and mentally abusive. And I think that's another reason why I had so much patience with him and so much understanding about like, oh, wait, 
he didn't lie to me when he said that everything was okay between him and his ex. Mm -hmm. He just really believed that it was because he was still doing, you know, everything for her. You know, I remember early on, he told me that just a few weeks before meeting me, he was driving in the car with the kids in the back and they weren't even together. And she got so mad at him that she punched him in the face (gasps) in front of the kids while he was driving the car. Wow. Yep. And I was like, oh, I've got stories like that too. You know, and and it was just, it's like you feel a bond with somebody. And like when you have that understanding of abuse, you understand how the other person isn't weak or isn't bad for not ending their situation. They just literally don't understand the world in the same way. You know, I had always said that if somebody ever hit me, I would walk so fast away from that relationship. Mm -hmm. It happened one time. Mm -hmm. I kicked into somebody I didn't know. I was probably, I probably kicked into the poster person for battered women's syndrome because I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted it to not have happened. I felt that I caused it. Oh yeah. And I never thought that way before, but when it happens, it, something changes. Yep. You can say all day long, oh no, if he hits me, you know, he's going to go to jail and hit the road and whatever, and I'm done. It's not that easy. Well, I mean, for some people it may be. And I don't know why, but, and I don't want to say I was weak because that's not what it was. It was traumatized. That's what it was. Because by, by the time that you get to the point that they're hitting you, they've already brainwashed you sufficiently to the point that you're going to believe that you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Like the hitting is never the first. You're right. And of course I can look back on that now and see that, but I couldn't before. Just like even before talking to you, I never could pinpoint why my reaction was not what I was thinking it would be. And it was because I was traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the kids saw this behavior. Yep. Wow. How did she end up with well, I think I'm going to answer my own question with this. I was going to say, how did she end up with the majority of custody? But it's because he thought it was normal. Yeah. And he never reported anything, didn't have any police reports, never any documentation. And of course, when they went to court, she accused him of being the abusive one. So the judge was kind of like, well, it looks like they're both accusing each other. So she left and took the kids with her. And then by the time they actually had the solid court decision, it was like a year and a half later And they had already been living so long with her and he had already moved further away. And so then it just, it just ended up that way. And he had to move further away for a job, but yeah, it just, I do think that there's going to come a time where there's going to, something is going to happen. And I, I, I have a feeling that the situation is going to reverse, but God's timing is perfect. And, and, for whatever reason, it wasn't meant to happen now. And that's why, again, this control freak has to just surrender and say the best thing that needed to happen at the time did, because when they did have the court case, he got a lot more time sharing and a much fairer child support than she was you know, trying to enforce upon him. So he actually did get a lot out of the court case that he wanted to, mm-hmm. but she's, it's one of those things where she's just never allowed herself to get caught. Yeah. Has he mentioned ever wanting to try to get custody of his kids? Oh, yeah. And that's why we're, again, the with the weir. That's why he's continuing to document because 
there's no smoking gun just yet. There's a lot of early evidence of parental alienation and lack of co-parenting, but nothing that would kind of reverse that decision. Mm -hmm. But she's had a lot of mental issues in the past. Like she has a past history of like cutting and suicide attempts. And that didn't even seem to phase the judge when that got brought up. Really? Um, Yeah. Again, not documentation. Well, and Uh, again, it depends on the judge. Yep, exactly. And so there's no way that she's going to be able to hold it together permanently. Right. And now you have that documentation. Yeah, exactly. So I, I told him, I was like, look, you're playing the long game, you know, like, so that by the time something happens and you do go to court again, you can literally just hand the judge the paper trail and be like, this isn't the only issue. In addition to whatever the big inciting incident is, I have all of this history of lack of co-parenting, of explosive behavior, of parental alienation, of like blah, blah, blah. And just just hand the whole thing over. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about when I had Jackson and he was little and I was trying to document stuff. Now, you've got to think single parent, working full time, newborn, had colic, all this stuff. I would get so frustrated because I wouldn't document stuff. But I felt like I didn't have time. Yeah. And then if you did have a minute to breathe, the last thing you wanted to do was think about court crap. Yeah. And I really think that's what happened with him, especially after the court case. It's like, thank God I'm done with that. Now there's actually rules on paper that say she can't do X, Y, and Z. It's going to be great. And it's like, okay, come on. Do you really like, she's not going to be the type of person to follow rules because there are rules. Like (laughs) she's going to be the type to do as much possible to bend them without the appearance of actually breaking them. So she can't be held accountable for it. Yeah. They don't apply to her. That's for everybody else. Yep. Exactly. And that's what gets me too. If there's a court order, by God, it should be followed. And if not, there should be repercussions. By not having repercussions, people just keep doing it. Yep. I've heard you talk about this on podcasts before. And it's always when you when you go off in the family court system, I'm like, yep, absolutely. It's a legal document. If you do this, then this is what you get. Not just, oh, sorry. You didn't, you know, you withheld the kids for a year and a half. Well, you're going to have to, you know, make up the visits. Okay. Everybody's hunky-dory now. No, that's crap. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm sitting here thinking, well, maybe if the court papers said, if you do not let the kid go to the other parents, just say, then you will spend 30 days in jail. Almost like a rules and consequences on paper, black and white. But then you go to another judge and they might just go, oh, that's crap. Yep. Yeah. Uh, family court system sucks. Yep. Very much. Yeah. It just, it's, it's horrible. It's sad. It's horrible. It's a money racket thing. Yep. It's just crazy. So anyway, <laughs> I was thinking too, that maybe there needs to be an app for documentation for court. And I know people are thinking, use your calendar. But it's not that simple. You've got other stuff in there and you're trying to get ready for court. Where's all this stuff? You know, I know in some of the, at least the one that he, my husband has, I know in some of the parenting apps, they have an private area for documentation or journaling, but I think it might just be a journal that you could do pictures. So you need kind of like a one-stop shop where you can put like everything in there that's confidential. Right. Yes. 
or that even reminds you, you know, every 24 hours, is there anything you need to document? Yeah, exactly. Because you think you'll remember this stuff, just like you think you'll remember the precious moments with your sweet baby boy. And then time goes by and you're like, huh, I can't remember. I can't remember when he lost his first tooth. Yeah. (laughs) It's a mess. Totally. So what's your relationship like with your stepdaughters? You know what? It's honestly wonderful. And I just got amazing confirmation of that from my sister-in-law who said that she saw them recently and literally all they did was talk about me and the things that I had taught them. And, oh, we did this with her. We did that with her. And my sister-in-law was like, um, they didn't mention their mother once. And again, like, that's not trying to be like a one-upping thing from me. I've never tried it besides at the beginning when I was like super stepmom, I still didn't want to replace their mom, but it was just really amazing validation for me to hear that. And it's just, they, anything that I'm doing, they want to do. I was doing yoga at the house one time and they're like, we want to do that too. And I got my other yoga mat, put it on the floor and they're fighting over the yoga mat. And then next thing you know, for Christmas, I got them yoga mats and we like do yoga sometimes. And then if I'm even writing something or working and they're like, what are you doing? They just, it's, it's been a really, really wonderful shift in the relationship, especially once I stopped being super stepmom. they never responded poorly to me because of my overparenting, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see that the relationship has improved so much more. And both of them are comfortable. Like they'll come to me and confide in me and tell me things privately that they won't go and talk about with my husband, but because I'm not a parent figure and I've kind of positioned myself more as like the role model or the aunt or the fun kind of influential female figure in their life. It's so much more freedom for the role. Yes. And you feel so much better and they see that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think it's also good that they see me still living my independent life. There's been a couple of weekends when an entire day where they're here, I'm like, well, I'm going to go hang out with so-and-so or, Hey, I have to go somewhere for a wedding the whole weekend. And their mom literally doesn't do anything. Doesn't really have any friends, like is very, very restrictive and controlled about like, she, like she literally doesn't do anything. And they've made comments to me before. And they've been like, you have a lot of friends that you go and see all the time, or you have a lot of family or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's nice to see that they're seeing an example of a healthy adult commitment to work or commitment to, to friends and family Mm -hmm. because they don't have that. Right. So it's just amazing the things that I can kind of show them and teach them. And even when I don't think that I've had an influence, like I was kind of feeling down in the dumps and all the stepmoms listening will understand this. Like you feel like you get the the crap end of the stick. Mm -hmm. And I was just telling my husband, like, you know, I, I feel like I get the worst part of it being the stepmom. And then my sister-in-law like sent me all those texts being like, they just wouldn't stop talking about you. They, you know, and then, cause they, they saw her and my older stepdaughter had even brought her yoga mat with her just as like a comfort object. Here's my yoga mat. Me and my stepmom do yoga together. Like just to have it to show people. That is awesome. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't realize the impact we have on these kids And, you know, for me, a lot of that's coming around because I'm having adult conversations with my stepkids now and we'll talk about things. Remember this, remember that. And they'll say, yeah, you taught me such and such. I'm like, you paid attention. 
<laughs> right. Like I thought you were just trying to burn me at the stake. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's just amazing because we don't realize the positive influence we can have on these kids. And it's such a more positive influence when we're not stressed. Yep. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, because I know a lot of step parents struggle with this. You have a high conflict via mom, a very mm-hmm. high conflict via mom. How do you not take that out on the kids? Work in progress. Honestly, doing the Nacho Kids Boot Camp Challenge with high conflict bio mom substituted for the step kids was really awesome. I just have to keep telling myself like they are just as brainwashed as my husband was and that it's not about them. It's about her. Like, cause she's always trying to send them here with like little messages and things to say and like things that they repeat that I know come from her Mm -hmm. very early on when I first kind of came into the picture, like I picked them up from her and the two of them, as if it was on cue, started talking about, we love our mom. Our mom takes really great care of us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, that's great. Like, I'm so glad that she does that. And inside I'm like, I don't have enough middle fingers for this situation right now. (laughs) Or like, you know, when she does a lot of one upping type of things, like after I got the yoga mats for the kids, they suddenly had yoga mats at their house Mm -hmm. when it had never been mentioned before. And there's, I won't say a lot of the connections because it'll kind of reveal too much personal information, but just certain things that I'm good at or that I do in my professional life the kids will come back and say, Oh, well, mom does this and she does it really great. And I just have to be like, Oh, that's great. And then I'll usually walk away and find something else to do because Mm -hmm. I'm about to lose it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's hard because I've never tried to be a one-upper. Like I, I'm a big believer that everybody has different strengths to offer. And I, obviously they love their mom and I never want to take that away. And I'm not trying to threaten that she's perceiving them just having a normal fun time with me as a huge threat to her. And it's just really difficult. But in the end, I just have to come back and say, it's not their fault. And this isn't coming from them. You're right. And I know with me, I learned to compartmentalize when something would happen and I would relate it to her. I would stop and say, wait a minute, this is the kids. This is not her. They may be regurgitating something she said, but they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And yes, the parents have an influence on the kids, whether it's negative or positive, but even if it's something negative, if we act like ourselves, they'll eventually see the good in us. We don't have to one up by a mom to be in their graces. It's not a competition. Yeah. And it's just hard when they get like directly negative messages about me or about my husband. Like, for example, he was just talking to them on the phone recently and said, oh, me and Control Freak are going to come to your game recent, like, or, like, like in the next week or so. Is that okay? And then older stepdaughter got really quiet. And my husband's like, what's wrong? And she goes, well, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I think mommy's going to have a problem with that. So she's either heard directly or she's not stupid, you know, Yeah, hear, hearing from how her mother acts around us that, you know, she's not going to be okay. And I've noticed in general that they are really uncomfortable when I'm around their mom and their stepdad and when my husband is there. So I nacho a lot of that. 
because number one, I don't want to make them uncomfortable and they will learn eventually that I wasn't the one causing the issue, but I just don't want to be around her. Right. That's like we were talking the other day, the grandbaby was born and Avery said, my mom's here. We didn't know she was coming up to the hospital. And I said, what? He said, my mom's here. I was like, okay, got to go. And it wasn't, I I didn't mean it like, oh, I got to go. I can't be in the same room with her. But they only allowed so many people in there. And and I didn't want to hang out with her. She needed to have her moment as a grandma with a kid. But I just have no desire to be in her presence. Yeah. And we're walking down the hall. And of course, we pass her. I'm like, dang it. Our timing wasn't right. Because (laughs) I would love to have been on the elevator. You know, just not even to have had to see her. Yeah. But then I realized that this is a whole new challenge that we're going to experience with this blend because we're going to have birthday parties for this kid that we're all going to be at. You can't expect the parents to have separate birthday parties just because their parents are split up. That's ridiculous. Yep. And I mean, I can be kind. I can be decent to people. Um, I'm not going to act like your friend if I don't like you because that's just who I am. But it's just one of those things that we realized that a lot of people think, oh, when they turn 18 and get out on their own, you don't have to deal with the blended crap. Oh, no. No, we will be dealing with the blended crap forever. Yep. And that's one thing that I really appreciate that you and David have said a lot in the podcast and and the academy and stuff about it doesn't end when you turn 18. And I've had this thought recently myself because I was just in a wedding last month and I traveled for the wedding and her family is she's got a blended family. And, you know, I saw everybody interacting very nicely. Like, you know, her stepmom came to her bridal shower and her mom was there and like, and her mom did like talk because her mom knows that I've kind of had a crazy situation. And her mom talked to me later and she's like, yeah, it was really hard for a lot of years, but it got better, you know, just hanging there. So it was really nice to hear it. But I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when my stepdaughters get married? Am I going to be allowed to come to the bridal shower because their mom is so emotionally manipulative that she might be saying things like, well, I'm your mother and I'm not comfortable around her. So she can't come to any of this stuff. And they're, she, she literally is not capable of like, I'll be fine with it. If they say, come to my bridal shower, I'm not going to tell them no, Mm -hmm. but I'm, and this is one of these things that I can't be worried or afraid about the future. I just have to surrender. But you know, I, I do legitimately get sad sometimes. And I think, wow, like that would be so much fun for me to like go bridal shopping with them or, you know, go Mm -hmm. to their bridal shower. Cause I enjoy those things, right? but that their mother is going to manipulate them. But maybe by that time they will have realized how to deal with it. I don't know. I just, it it upsets me to think about it. Well, we did have separate baby showers for Kay. We had one here and then Avery's mom, David's ex had one with her family. I think it was two weeks apart or something like that. Maybe even just a week apart. And you know, that's great. But like you said, there's going to be situations that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, engagement parties aren't really big here in the South, but if the kids get engaged and want to have an engagement party, I don't see them having to. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the kids were little and they would have a birthday party. They went to a private school. There were not a lot of kids in that school. And that was basically their only friends because They didn't hang out with kids in the neighborhood. They were just kind of their own little group because there were so many of them. And if we had a birthday party and then the ex had a birthday party, 
the kids can't go to both. You know, the parents are going to be like, no, you already went to their birthday party. Yeah. And they're like, no, they know their dad's having one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's really hard to do because if you can't get along with the ex, and I don't say you meaning you, but even with my ex, there's tension and the kids feel it. Mm-hmm. No matter how much I have tried not to let my son feel that tension, he does. You just have to make the best out of it. And I'm like you, I can be decent and I can be cordial and not be ugly. And nobody will know that I don't really like that person, but they're not going to see me buddying up to her either. Yeah. Well, rest assured that if I go to an event where it's quote unquote, her people, she will have already told everybody how horrible I am. (laughs) And so I'll just be walking into a buzzsaw. Well, you know, that's the other part of it. I'll her friends or family that are there, you're going to feel like that they're looking at you like, oh, there's that woman. And so it just, it makes it so stressful and so tense and it doesn't need to be. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I know David and I had just started dating and it was Avery's birthday, I believe. And they were still doing birthday parties together. And he's like, I want you to go to this birthday party for my son at my ex's. I'm like, what? (laughs) And I was like, okay, you want to talk about awkward? I went, but you know, it's not like I knew her enough to not really like her, but I knew things that resulted in their divorce that made me not like her. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was like, Hey, how are you? And that was kind of it. I don't think I really said anything else. I tried to help with stuff at the party to stay distracted. But after that, I'm thinking he needs to stop having those birthday parties together. Yeah. And I never said anything to him, but he did stop. Yeah. Because I think, too, once you get more serious with somebody, it just, it makes more sense to have those boundaries. Yeah, because it's weird. Yeah. And I mean, I know some people get along with the exes and everybody gets along They're going on Disney cruises together, and that's great. All the power to you people. And I don't say that sarcastically. I mean that with all of my heart. But the reality of it is most of us do not get along with our exes or our significant other's ex. Yeah, because why'd you break up in the first place if you're all buddy-buddy? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I think, but, you know. (laughs) I remember one time David was on the phone with his ex, and I was... We were getting ready to go to my house and he was talking to her. And I remember thinking, huh, that's kind of a cheery conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, that's good that they can get along. And then I was thinking, if you can get along that well, why aren't you together? Yep, exactly. And did I come into something that wasn't quite finished? Yes. That's what, that's what you think. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But no, it was finished. Yeah. But he was just trying to be decent. And that was before I think he learned how she was really going to be because when she found out we were serious, things took a turn the other way. That's exactly what happened with my husband, actually. She started dating this guy right away after she left. And it was like, oh, well, this is horrible, but I can't use his name. And I call him the toad. (laughs) (laughs) So she was like, oh, the toad is so great to me. He's, he treats me so well, blah, blah, blah. Like every time that she would see my husband and he was like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. And 
his ex had already told his sister that she only left in order to get his attention. So he would come after her. So it was a big ploy for attention. And he said, luckily by this point, he was just done. And then when she, she started interrogating him like all the time, are you seeing anybody? Are you seeing anybody? And then she finally weaseled out of him. Like, yeah, that he was seeing me. And then it switched like a, like a light switch. She was like, well, the toad actually isn't that nice and he's not the same as you. He just lays around all the time and uh-huh. he's so boring and he doesn't work on cars. And then this is the kicker. She goes, and he's got this erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband was like, absolutely not. Do I want to hear this? And she's like, why can't we be together? And so using this to manipulate him to be together. And that's when he was like, nope, I'm done. I I've been done. And then of course it turns around. Well, then you're never going to see the kids and like the same old story, but yeah, she, it was okay for her to be involved with somebody immediately. Uh But then as soon as he started seeing me down the line, it was, oh no. And then using it to manipulate him. I am so glad he did not go back to her because he could have easily been sucked back into that mess. Oh, they, he did. There was a time, and this is also like the dysfunction with her. There, There was a time that they did split up when the kid was very, very young when their second kid was very young. And basically she said to him, I don't feel like we're together anymore. I want to see other people and that's it. And so she actually went out on a date with somebody and slept with him. And he basically just like ditched her and ghosted her. And she called my husband to come pick her up and, Oh, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Like crying and everything. And then kept telling him, Oh, but we're not together. We're not together. Then when he started seeing somebody, then it was, oh, you're cheating on me and this and that and the other thing. (laughs) And then they actually went on a trip to see family during this time. And the older stepdaughter was going around telling my husband's family, oh, my daddy cheated on my mommy, blah, blah, blah. And like all of this stuff. Oh my gosh. That was another time that she punched him in the face and bragged to his family about it. Being like, oh yeah, when I found out he was cheating like I punched him in the face, but it's just this alternate reality that these people live in. Like in what planet is that cheating when you're the one, you know, who said like literally went out and had to have him come pick you up after a bad date, but he's the cheater. Okay. So they split up at that time and they were split up for a good long while, but then she eventually got back under his skin and used the whole, Oh, well, you're going to be just like your dad abandoning the kids. And even during that time, they hadn't filed divorce papers or anything like that she was withholding the kids a lot. And like, he was having all sorts of car problems. And then even though she had a perfectly acceptable car, like would only wouldn't go to hit, like it was a, it was a disaster. And so basically he felt like he had to get back with her in order to see his kids. And that's sad. Yep. They didn't stay together long after that. I'm sure. No, just a couple other years after they got back together that time, there was a couple times when they split up pretty much all because she decided she didn't want to do it anymore, but then weaseled her way back in. It's like Jerry Springer. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like it. Especially with the punching in the face and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of physical stuff. I don't think that anybody should hit anybody, but she's lucky that he did not just floor her and knock her out. Yep. But then it would have been, oh, abuse on his part, but not her part. Exactly. Yep. Big stigma. That's why there's such a stigma against, you know, the male abuse victims. And, but I'm just, 
you know, I'm really grateful for how far he's come. I'm grateful for how far we've come and that, you know, I got over my rescue complex and the need that the, the guilty feeling that I had, like I can feel sympathy that he's been through all this. I can support him. I can help him, you know, find resources. Like I helped him find a really great counselor, but it's, it's really not my responsibility to, to heal him from that. He has to do the work himself. And I know that all too well from my own situation. Like I had to do the healing work myself. Right. And the fact that you were so different than his ex doesn't heal him from that past. Yeah. He still has to do the work to get over that and overcome it and address it. Yeah, exactly. And to, and to understand and these patterns that are still within, within him, these trauma responses, like he still has these automatic scripts that he goes to. Like, I remember one time he went out at the store and I gave him a list of stuff to get, you know, and he was out and it was getting around towards dinner time. So I just called him. I was like, Hey, what time do you think you'll be, you know, coming home? Cause I want to get dinner started. And he got all flustered and was like, well, uh, I, I don't really know, blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of hung up the phone real quickly. And when he got home, he had forgotten like half the stuff on the list. And I was like, Hey, why'd you forget the stuff on the list? And he didn't flip out angrily, but like flipped out and was like, well, you called me and you were demanding to know when I got home and I got all flustered and I forgot everything. And it was just, you were asking me when I was coming home. And I was like, okay. I was like, this isn't about me right now. So why don't we just take some time and figure it out? And then we talked later and he's like, yeah, he's like, I was totally having a trauma response because even if I went down to the corner store to get like a gallon of milk after like 10, 15 minutes, she would call screaming at him. Where are you? Are you off cheating on me? You need to come home with the kids, like all like berating him. And so like, I hate this word triggered, but I literally triggered him mm-hmm. into having this response. And we had to talk it through and say, no, that's actually not what happened. You were fine. Mm-hmm. I was asking an innocent question. And so that's a, another difficult thing to deal with, with his reactions to things. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where I don't have to tiptoe around things, but he also has to learn to deal with these patterns that are still occurring. Yeah, that's so true. We don't even realize sometimes the baggage that we carry from our old relationships into our new ones. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Control Freak, what is one piece of advice you would give your friend that's getting ready to get into a blend or like the wedding you were at the other day? So I would... Tell the friend to look up nacho stuff. And I'm not just kissing up because I'm on the Nacho Kids podcast because, (laughs) you know, I've heard a lot of other guests say that, like, there's so many resources out there for step families and so many blogs and websites. And this is just has worked the best for me. You know, there's also there's really great resources that have been on here, like the Smart Step Family and Ron Deal and Laura Pethabridge and all of those things are really great. But overall, I would tell that person to be realistic about the expectations, to talk with their spouse ahead of time about, hey, what are your expectations of me in this blended relationship? What are we going to do when things go astray? And to also get on the same page that you can't make a nuclear family out of a blended family and to have those realistic expectations and do your research. And I know you said that you and David also did a lot of research beforehand and it, it just doesn't prepare you. So it's like, You can do your homework to some extent, but also have the conversations about, okay, what are we going to do if and when this goes south? Because it will. Right. You are going to have challenges. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable, if you don't have really great open communication with the person now, think very strongly about not even, you know, going forward, because I feel like you have to have like communication on steroids to be in a blended family. You do, because things are taken so personally. 
when it comes to your kids or even yourself that mm-hmm. you just kick into defense mode. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I want people to know and to understand is that like coming on this podcast and sharing my story, not just about the dealing with abuse survivors, but also like there's other reasons that people jump into super stepmom mode besides the bio parents expectations, but whatever the reason that you're doing it is that's about you and that's your stuff. And you can't put your agenda onto blended relationship and you almost have to let you have to like, if you don't step back, then the blended family has no room to establish itself organically. Right. Such great advice. Thank you. Well, I am so very proud of you because our listeners don't know how far you have come, but I do. (laughs) Yep. I was a mess in my early Academy days. (laughs) But now you are kicking butt. Yep. It's still a day at a time. And sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, but you just have to keep, it's a process of rigorous honesty and continuously looking at yourself and moving forward and turning back the mirror on yourself. And if you want to turn around and you say, well, it's my husband, well, it's the kids, well, it's the bio mom, look at yourself first. Like all of those things might be true. Like, obviously I have like a terror of a bio mom, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I have to live in terror all the time. Right. You don't have to let her behavior or whatever impact you at all. Mm -hmm. Or if it does impact you, because we know there are some things that do, give it five minutes. Yep but don't let them take over spacing your mind for free. Yep. And it's possible to have a wonderful relationship with your stepkids without parenting them. In fact, not parenting them might facilitate that relationship. And that doesn't mean you still can't have like any authority. Like sometimes I'll tell the kids like, okay, it's time to get dressed now, this and that. And they listen to me, mm-hmm. but not, I'm not the heavy. And that is a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. So what if you tell them to go get dressed and they don't listen to you? So it's great because we actually have house rules that we came up with as a family. And if I ask them to go get dressed and they don't listen to me, then I say, it's very cut and dry. I say, this is the rule of the house. If their dad's not there, I say, your dad asked me to enforce the house rules. I asked you to do something and you're not listening to me. Your dad might choose to assign a consequence if you continue not to listen to me. So you have a choice right now to do as I'm asking or continue not to listen. And usually they listen. Girl, you watched that course. You did good. You better believe it. I watched it several times. So I needed to like, because there was a time, I think even I posted this in the Academy, like over the summer when the kids were with us. And I was thinking because they were here more often, I was going to do like more of a parenting thing. And I was like, nope, watch house rules and consequences again, get your script ready. And like, there were a lot of times that they were here without, you know, their dad. And there were times that he would assign consequences to them based on how they would behave. But I was completely out of it. I was just like, your dad has asked me to tell him how it goes when he's not here. Uh If you continue to do this, I'm going to have to tell him. And this is what he might choose to do. Right. And if he chooses the consequence, whether it be no consequence or a small consequence or a large consequence, it doesn't matter. That's his decision. Yep, exactly. Well, Control Freak, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and sharing your story with us. You are welcome. It's been awesome. It has. And I look forward to talking to your husband tonight. Yes. Can't wait to hear his too. Yes. Anything you want me to ask him? (laughs) He'll probably cover some of the same stuff, but it'll be great to hear from a parent who supports Nacho. Yes. Yes, it will. Well, thank you again and stay in touch and we'll have you back in a couple of years and see how things are going. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.
David, come off your mountain. It's time to end the podcast. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> You've got to say more than that. <laughs> okay. So that was a fantastic podcast. Yes, it was. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed speaking with Control Freak. <laughs> and just think, next week we get to speak to her husband, Austin Powers. I know. Then we get to hear the truth. No, the truth will come in 10 years when we get to talk to the stepkids. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. There we go. Uh, no, I, again, though, I do want to uh, bring back up the fact that they're helping other people now. I, I mean, I can't say enough. If you found things that work in your blend and you've gone past a lot of these challenges, then, you know, reach down to help somebody else. Yeah. That's what we do every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's the only way that the whole dynamic of step families and evil stepmom personas, all, the only way all that's going to change is if we're moving together in the same direction of improving. Mm -hmm. Reach out and help others. Yep. Spread the nacho love, people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you can tell David don't have much to say when he goes, that's right. That's right. No, that's usually I got too much to say and I'm just keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, there is hope. <laughs> yeah, there is hope. All right. Are we ready to wrap it up? Like a Christmas present. That's too late for that. Like a but, almost like Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day present. I know. We got Valentine's Day coming up. We have. Oh, Valentine's Day is in a month. What are you getting me, David? Um, the question is, what are you getting you from me? It might be a pair of free bird shoes. <laughs> Look, I do want to say this publicly. No, no, stop. All right, folks, thanks for listening. <laughs> David and I wish you the no. happiest new year. This is no, the this second is weekend. It's this not it's not good. I it know it's good. not good. No, it is good. Anything yeah. that comes after me talking about shoes is not good. It's actually nothing about shoes directly. Oh, great day. I just want to publicly thank you for getting me off the hook, buying you things that I run the risk of buying the wrong thing. <laughs> That's why I do it. There's no disappointment. Some people will look at me and say, I can't believe your husband doesn't buy you anything. Um, and trust me, you know, it, it does cross my mind. Like, you know, I probably should go out and buy something myself. But I know whatever I buy, it's going to be like, oh, you really shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, like, you really shouldn't have. <laughs> well, but we talked about that this year. Mm -hmm. So this coming Christmas, or maybe for Valentine's Day, I'm going to give you a list of 10 things, and you get to choose what to get me. Why? I wonder why you've not done that in the past. I think I know why. <laughs> why? But, you know, I've always done that with the kids. Like, I don't try to guess. Just tell me, give me a list of what you want, and I'll pick out whatever. But with you, you've, I think you've always enjoyed shopping for yourself. So it just never was a thing. I do. So they don't want to steal your joy. <laughs> but I also wonder, like, you don't give me that list because you don't necessarily want me to look this stuff up and see what it is. <laughs> or how much it costs. Exactly. It's like, That's not true. You know I'm frugal. How much? I'm frugal, you McDougal. Are, you, you are. Fr uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't pay know. full price for you don't pay full almost price, nothing. You just, you just buy everything. 
What would you pay full price for nothing? See, I told y'all this was going to end up not good. <laughs> I knew it. Look, when just like Amazon, I knew what I was getting into, David when Amazon stop. shows up at my door every single day. Like me and the Amazon driver are going out for beers together because he's here so often. All right, all right, listen, you drunk. <laughs> it was Tide Pods that got delivered today. Do you want to wash your clothes? I'd love for you to wash my clothes. No, I said, do you want to wash your clothes? <laughs> do you want to have detergent to wash your clothes? Okay. Okay, so look, one, no, you know what? Here we go. You put wanna, that on your you, list. You want to play the silly game? We'll play the silly game. <laughs> From now on, you are responsible for buying all the groceries, all the household items, including laundry detergent, blah, 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 all that stuff. Okay. It's now your responsibility. Okay. So when that Amazon package comes with your name on it, I can say, my God, we just got a box yesterday. wonder what this is. No, there won't be any packages coming. Oh, so we ain't going to have no laundry detergent. Fend for yourself. See? See? <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. Not showing, I, I'm not showing laundry and everything here. <laughs> I got to go order some dish dish detergent. Some dish detergent? Yeah. Or the dishwasher. Okay. So we'll get another box tomorrow. <laughs> I think maybe you just enjoy seeing the boxes I'm coming in. I do. It says, do you want to combine these shipments? No. Duh. <laughs> I want to open every one of them. Can you gift wrap all of them? <laughs> That's it. It's Christmas every day. Hey, you know, for the first time, I did get an Amazon gift that was gift wrapped, and it was really nice the way it was gift wrapped. Well, good. Yeah. A nice little bag with a bow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell Jeff you appreciate it. Who's Jeff? Jeff Bezos. Who's that? The owner of Amazon. Oh, I thought you were going to say the UPS driver. Remember, Ed? Why are we going down this path? Oh, sorry. Yeah, we used to know the UPS driver, really. His name was Ed. I miss Ed. <laughs> All right, David, stop talking. Okay, David, do your thing. All right. Uh, sorry, folks, for the rambling at the end. I don't know what got into her. But join us again next week when I try to keep her on track and medicated. Until then, <laughs> <laughs> remember, life is good. Wing you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.